0: Well, um, it was interesting this week uh, that on the last day of class before the long weekend, uh, Maddie told me that one of her teachers said, have fun celebrating zombies. And uh, she was like, what zombies? And then he said it a few more times throughout the class, you know, oh, have fun about the zombie weekend. and And she was like, this is so weird. And he said it a few times and then. Uh, Finally, he said, uh, well, you know, because that's what dead people who come to life are. They're zombies. So have fun celebrating that. And Maddie said to me, she was like, yeah, that's weird. I guess if you don't believe in a soul, then that's kind of what you'd be left with. And I think, you know, I'm kind of guessing he's not a Christian, (laughs) but this claim of the resurrection of Jesus is a challenging one. Not everyone is convinced by the claim that Jesus is alive or that he rose from the dead. And, uh, and if you really didn't believe in a soul, maybe it would be the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. Maybe that's how you'd feel about it, but make no mistake. This claim is the single most challenging claim that Jesus makes or that Christians make about Jesus is this claim to the resurrection. And the story Goes as follows. It was a week before the death of Jesus that his disciples, his followers were, you know, laying their coats on the street and waving palm branches and joining with the crowd to say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, you know, they got their swords ready and they prepared to overthrow Rome. They thought this was the revolution they were waiting for. And then Jesus is taken to their shock and surprise. He's beaten, bloody, unrecognizable. Though innocent, he's condemned. And they watch the sky go black and the earth shake. And even the Romans are shaken by this experience. And then Jesus dies. They see him die. His, his dead body, their savior, their teacher, their Lord. And they watch his lifeless corpse pierced by the javelin, the, the spear. And no reaction. He's dead. And then they take his body down and his disciples don't even get to have the body of Jesus. You know, he's, he's taken by Joseph of Arimathea to this new tomb and laid in the new tomb and soldiers guard it to prevent the fraud, the resurrection charade from happening that everyone, you know, that the leaders were so worried about. But on the third day, strange things start happening. Anyway, people, people, you know, his friends show up at the tomb and, and the stone is moved and the tomb is empty. And there are stories of earthquakes and, and, and stone rolling angels. And then the guards who ran off start this story that, you know, the disciples took the body from this, you know, over the sleeping soldiers or something like a weird story. And, and then the, the disciples are, you know, a bunch of them start claiming that an angel appeared proclaiming that Jesus is risen. And Mary alone, weeping in the garden, you know, she's there and she she says that she saw him thinking he was the gardener. And and then in a locked room, a a group of the disciples are there and Jesus appears to them. But not to Thomas. Thomas isn't there. The, The group's there, but not Thomas. I don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't there. And that's where we pick up our story for this morning. It's a resurrection story from the book of John, chapter 20. We're going to read this story about Thomas. Uh, John 20, uh, chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. This is what it says. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means twin, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. This is God's word. My big idea this morning is Jesus is alive to meet us, to lead us to the blessing of trust. You know, the first thing we see in this story is struggle. That's what the the beginning of this story is a struggle. And we call him doubting Thomas for a reason. I mean, it's one of my favorite things, this story. It's about how this one disciple, out of all the disciples, this one disciple, who has seen blind eyes healed and they can see, who's seen deaf people hear, who's seen lame people get up and walk and dance and run and leap, who's seen Lazarus walk out of the tomb four days dead, who's seen the, the storm quieted with a word, who saw a few fish and loaves broken and fed feed, uh, to feed a thousand thousands. He saw all these things and he believed and followed Jesus. And he's this one guy who doubts, maybe with hope, the resurrection. I I like to think he doubted with hope, the resurrection. But who doesn't struggle? I mean, who doesn't struggle? Which of us doesn't have a bad day or a bad week or a bad month or for all of us, a bad year? It's been a year, you know, like we could chalk this up to a hard year. It's been a hard year. Maybe instead of doubting Thomas, human Thomas would be a more appropriate moniker for him. Human Thomas who experiences things like we do. Maybe you glossed over it the the week, the words a week, one week later. It's like, Seven days, eight days, it says in one translation, but it's really, was a week, a week of waiting, you know, for Thomas, who, who stood at the execution. I mean, I don't know that that's true. He's not mentioned by name. So he's either there at the execution or he's hiding, but one or the other, he, he knew the story and they all knew exactly what happened to Jesus. I, I think a lot of them would have come to see it in the crowd. The unrecognizable Jesus hanging on a cross, his cold corpse, the Golgotha caked blood and dirt on his body, the darkness and the shaking earth, the javelin pierce his lifeless side. You know, I, I have never met a person who was raised from the dead. I don't even know what that would mean if someone came and said, I've been raised from the dead you know, I, I don't know, what that would, would that be like someone was on the operating table, and they died for a few seconds, and they, you know, clear, and they brought them back? Is that like, you know, you, you died on the sidewalk, and someone resuscitated you mouth to mouth resuscitation, or like CPR, and you came back to life? You know, or, or is that like, you know, you are in a coffin, dressed up, ready to be buried, and suddenly you got out of the coffin and walked away? Like, You know, I don't know, but I do know that if someone came to me with that claim, it would be met with skepticism. (sighs) Just to be honest, I would be skeptical. I would really have to hear more about the story, you know, for someone to to say I was raised from the dead. And this is Thomas's response to is skepticism. You know, he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails are and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And for a week, Thomas doubts the claim, or at least he remains cautiously skeptical for a week. Maybe during that week, he, he connected with the psalmist in Psalm 22 who says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. While others experience the Jesus, risen Jesus, and he waits and waits. You know, we all struggle. Maddie and I were talking about this too this week, just about the struggle to believe that it's a reality. It's a reality for me and for her and others, many, many of us. There are times where you wonder, is this all made up? Or I need to know Jesus is real in this moment. And how the world works to numb our faith and our trust in Jesus. It gives us this message over and over. You know, there is no God. There is no God. This is all there is. And so it numbs. It numbs our belief. And maybe for you, I don't know, maybe it's unanswered questions about God that create the, the struggle of doubt. Or maybe it's unanswered prayer. Or maybe it's Disappointment something you thought was going to happen a certain way and didn't maybe it's a loss a death someone was lost or maybe it's just the quiet the waiting and and you asking for you know god to speak and it feels like he's silent maybe it's wave after wave of of challenges that just seem to keep coming and you you want reprieve and it just seems to be so hard i don't know what it is for you but i know This is our struggle. This is my question for us as we go to discussion. Um, So it's what causes you to doubt Jesus and then what restores your belief? Those are the two parts of the question. And I'll just say this before we go, let me say, let's just dispense with kind of the Sunday school answer, which is like, we're all Christians. So none of us doubt, or, you know, we're we're all good Christians. So, you know, I, I never struggle, you know, it's like, okay, let's just put that aside. I'll tell you as your pastor that I do struggle sometimes and it is hard sometimes. So let's just acknowledge that. And, you know, it's maybe, it doesn't need to be a, necessarily a big, huge thing. It could be just what are the little ways that cause you to doubt Jesus or the kingdom. And then the other part of it is what are things that happen or that you do that, cause that belief or that hope or that trust to be restored um and so just maybe it's day-to-day things that you find that that encourage you so those are our two questions uh we'll go to group now all right um Well, so if the, the first thing we see in this story is struggle, the second thing we see is uh, encounter. Uh, there's another story uh, about the resurrection that happens in Luke's gospel, in Luke's account of the life of Jesus. And it's this story about these two disciples who after Jesus dies, um, they leave Jerusalem and they're, they're confused and they're just dis- discouraged. And so they're leaving with the crowds. You know, they're going home. Uh, you know, Jesus is dead. And so they're on their way and they're talking. And as they're talking, you know, in the crowds that are leaving, um, suddenly this stranger comes up and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they, you know, they say, well, we're talking about all the stuff that's going on this week, you know, and he, uh, like, it's pretty major. And the stranger says, well, what things are going on? And they're like, Wait, where have you been? Like, have you been here all week? Like, it's crazy. Jesus, the, you know, we thought he was the Messiah. And, he died, he was crucified. And, you know, it's, this is just crazy. And, and then this stranger starts explaining to them about from scripture about why the Messiah needed to suffer and die. And so they're walking along and later they say, you know, our hearts were burning as we talked to this guy and it just like things came alive and we understood. And, and so they get to where they were going to Emmaus and, and they, uh, They say, come and stay, you know, have dinner with us. This is, we don't want to stop the conversation. And so the stranger says, okay. And so they go in and they sit down for dinner and, and this guy breaks bread to give thanks. And as he does that, they realize it's Jesus. Jesus was the stranger walking with them. And they suddenly recognize him. And in that moment, he vanishes and they, they get up and they run back to tell everyone else, you know, we saw Jesus, he's alive. We did, we saw him too. And, uh, and this is what Jesus is like. This is, you know, the encounters of Jesus. Jesus is clearing confusion. He comes to restore the broken, the broken hearted and the broken, and he's going to appear in locked rooms. He's going to appear to a crowd of 500 people at once. He'll come to an early morning beach for fish breakfast. You know, it doesn't sound great to me, but that's what they did. And later to persecuting Paul, who's going after Christians to kill them, you know, thinking he's helping God and Jesus appears to him on the road. This is Jesus who's appearing. And so it's it's funny to me that my first thought when Jesus comes to Thomas is that Jesus is going to reprimand him. That's kind of what a, a part of me expects, even though I know all this stuff about Jesus and how he's appeared and I know all these stories, but. But a part of me still feels like Thomas needs a reprimand. And yet that's not at all what happens. Jesus doesn't say, how could you doubt? Jesus comes and he does exactly what Thomas proposed as an idea for how he could believe. And Jesus says, put your finger here in my hands. See my hands. Reach out and put your hand in my side. I'm here. I'm alive. You know, this is the heart of God. Most of us can't wrap our heads around the heart of God who would come and meet us where we are. We think we ought to deserve Him. We think we should be good enough, that we should believe enough, or to be strong enough, or to help ourselves enough, or to pursue Him enough, to pray enough for us to deserve Him, His encounter, that He would come and meet us. Do you think? God's encounter depends on you. Do you think that? On your goodness and your works and your righteousness, is that what's going to get God to come and, and show himself to you, to meet you where you need him? Psalm 22, verse 24, the, the end of that psalm that Jesus quotes on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That maybe Thomas is thinking about in that week where he's just waiting The end of that psalm says this, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. This psalm is about trust. It's about a God who hears and sees and knows and acts. This is Jesus, a God who comes to meet us where we are, who comes into the unholy to make it holy. That's Jesus. That's this God. Now Jesus does say to Thomas in the NIV, which is the translation I read from, Jesus says, stop doubting and believe, which when I read it sounds almost like stop doubting and believe, you know, it'd be easy to read it like that. If you didn't know Jesus very well, maybe you'd hear him like, Oh, he's mad or something. But Maybe in a different translation, it would help us to hear Jesus. In the ESV, it says, do not disbelieve, but believe. Or if you went to the Greek and you try, tried to translate it a little bit more literally, it might say, do not be unbelieving, but believing. And that sounds more to me like Jesus saying, hey, touch me and see Thomas. See this strange sight, my, my resurrected body with holes in my hands and a hole in my side. And I waited for that week while you struggled, but I'm here now. I'm here exactly where you need me to be exactly where you are. So now believe Thomas now believe my question for us is this. If you encountered the the physical resurrected Jesus in your kitchen, my kitchen in your room where you are, your living room or your bedroom, Whatever room you're in right now, if you encounter the physical resurrected Jesus, I don't mean a vision. I mean, Jesus was standing there and he like could eat your breakfast cereal with you. And you were like, whoa, Jesus is here and you could touch him. And it was like, what would change for you if Jesus were physically present and you knew beyond all doubt Jesus was there? What would change for you in your life? If anything, let's go to group and uh, and we'll see. If you can answer that. All right. Well, welcome back. Uh, And uh, so the story we see struggle, we see encounter, and then the story ends with belief. And um, it's interesting. There's another story about Thomas that uh, we don't really hear about very much. Uh usually we, you know, people call him doubting Thomas, and that's the story we know, the story we read at the beginning. Uh, but there is another story. And the the story uh is that Jesus is uh hears about his friend Lazarus in Bethany, near Jerusalem, and that his friend is sick. And they say, Jesus, if you'd come, you could heal him and he would be well. You know, we believe that. And Jesus doesn't go, he waits. And then they get the message, you know, Lazarus is dead. You waited too long, Jesus. You know, what are you doing? But like, he's dead. And, um, and then Jesus says, okay, now I, now I want to go. Now let's go to Bethany and see Lazarus. And, um, and then right then, there's this little verse about Thomas Thomas gets up in front of the disciples so Jesus I picture says okay guys I'm going to Bethany and he turns around and starts walking away and Thomas gets up in front of all these disciples and he says okay guys let us also go that we may die with him and then they all get up and go and I have always read that and been like weird what is Thomas talking about die with him I'm like Lazarus is already dead Jesus is going to like what are you talking about And I kind of just gloss over a lot. And so, you know, looking at Thomas and studying a little bit into him, I I read the commentary on this first, and this is what they say. They say that likely Thomas believed in that moment that Jesus going to Bethany, where he was, there was a lot of opposition against Jesus would result in Jesus being seized and the, the revolution starting, maybe Jesus would die. And so Thomas gets up and basically says, you know, if Jesus is going to die, I'm going with him. Let's go, guys. Come on. We're all going to go die with Jesus. Like, like not doubting Thomas, like willing Thomas. Thomas is the guy who's, you know, he's going to, he's willing to go. And he's the one who calls it out. And in our story, Thomas is the one who says these profound and powerful words, my Lord and my God. You know, Thomas moves from like, oh, Jesus is alive, you know, resurrected Jesus, To Jesus is God, deity. That's what Thomas says when he says, my Lord is the word would be the the equivalent of Yahweh and my God, Elohim. This this declaration of the lordship, the deity of Jesus. It's a powerful thing. And John begins his, his account with this picture of Jesus as the word, who spoke the world into being, and then he gets to the end, and this is the declaration of Thomas, my Lord and my God. But at the beginning, this is what it says. John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, but to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I mean, doubter. Yep, a doubter. Uh, a former prostitute. Yeah or two tax collector, fisherman, zealot, betrayer. I mean, fill in your issue, fill in the label that you put on yourself for why God wouldn't accept you or why you need to be better somehow. This is what it says to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. So yes, you, even you, especially you. And on this Easter morning, I'll join with Paul, who reminds the Corinthian church of this. He says, I remind you of the gospel I preached to you, the good news I preach to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. And then this is what he says. This is it. This is the, what you received, what you stand in, what you're saved by is this. Jesus died for your sins according to scripture and he was raised from the dead and a lot of people saw him alive and then Paul goes into the list of people including him who saw Jesus alive in person you know according to uh church tradition into history Thomas really did move from doubting Thomas to willing Thomas if he was ever really doubting Thomas he uh he took the lot or whatever he drew the lot that's you know sent him out and he went east toward India and eventually got to India and proclaimed the gospel on the way and that's where he died according to to church history and tradition he died in India as a martyr proclaiming his Lord and his God Jesus the resurrected Jesus and he died under that proclamation willing to die with jesus jesus says in that room to thomas he says blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe and that's us i mean it's most of us if if we haven't seen jesus in person that's us that's you and me you know like thomas we doubt we have moments of struggle and difficulty and we don't get to see They'll resurrected Jesus and put our hands in the holes in his hands. I trust someday we will, but for most of us that's not the case. And yet Jesus says we're blessed. We're blessed. First Peter says it this way: though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him, now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, we move from struggle to encounter to belief. And in that transformative process, we experience blessing and grace. And it really is a process. You know, for most of us, we struggle and then we encounter Jesus and then, oh, we believe and we we are transformed and then we struggle again. And then we we encounter Jesus and then we we believe and and we move forward in this way. And yet a lot of us are surprised sometimes to come back to the struggle that there is continues to be struggle at different points. But when we appropriate the gospel that Jesus died and came back to life, and is alive in me, and in you, there is a blessing for us, an inexpressible and glorious joy that we get to experience, and so in conclusion, Jesus is alive to meet us, to lead us to the blessing of trust, and this is the journey of transformation, a real day-to-day transformation, and this is what it is, that we struggle, like Thomas, Many of us experience periods of doubt or struggle or difficulty. At times we doubt the truth and our human experience here in this broken world means, you know, we see it everywhere and we struggle. This is going to be a reality for us. And we encounter Jesus like he has always done. God comes to meet us where we are. His heart is for us to be found and restored And he meets us where we are to move us to where we need to be. That's grace that he'll come and do that for every willing heart. And we believe when we encounter him, we come to believe that's like a a result, a product of our encounter is that we begin to believe and we experience his goodness and his love. And we are adopted in, we're filled with his presence and his power and we are changed and because this happens on faith or trust is the word because we can't see it all yet. There's a special blessing for those of us who trust without seeing it fully. There's a comfort for us in the waiting. So would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for the sun shining even and the reminder that you're alive and uh, people saw you alive. People gave your, their lives uh, f- for that claim to say, I was an eyewitness. I saw him. Jesus, thank you for this story about Thomas and his struggle and his doubt and how you came and met him and uh, and how he, he began to believe in a new way that drew him into life. And I pray that for us, too, that uh, in spite of our struggle, that you would come and meet us you would encounter us, Uh, you would lift us and encourage us, especially in this time. And that as you do that, and as we see you and experience you, that uh, we would be changed. We would begin to believe uh, more wholeheartedly, and that it would change us, would change how we live and what we do, uh, how we live for you in this world. We say we love you. Amen.